everyone. Welcome to episode 20 of Embodied Experience with Lauren and myself. This is Sylvie and I am opening up our conversation today around the ideas of guilt and shame and how that shows up in our lives. So speaking personally from the heart, guilt and shame is something I've found myself battling for many years. Um, And some really helpful information has come out in recent times to help me understand the difference. Um, I'm a huge Brene Brown fan for those who may know who she is. And she's a a shame researcher. And she does a lot of um, talks on about the difference between the two. And so um, it's been interesting because I'm learning that Guilt is a feeling that we may have if we do or act or behave in a manner that goes against our inner values. Um, So it can be an emotion that flags our attention to notice if we're moving from an authentic place versus shame is a feeling that uh, there's something inherently broken and wrong with us and that we um, are not necessarily valuable and um, that, they're, that, that, that we don't belong or that we don't deserve things. So shame being this idea that we're not valuable or worthy and guilt being this emotion that um, raises concern that we're not moving from alignment moving from an alignment from within, meaning we're going against our values. So I think it's important to differentiate the two. And in my life, um, again, I don't know where a lot of these things come from. I just know that this is part of who I am. And I think I have battled with this idea that I'm, that I am shame for a long part of my existence. And I still move in and out of that. And Um, feeling like there's something broken with me and recognizing that that's a part of my being at the moment helps me to take steps to manage it Um, and so what I've done over over the the course of the past I would say 10 years or so is really try to look inward and recognize um, like my own human nature and understanding that like it's okay to not be perfect, um, and when it's okay to not be perfect, it's also okay to not feel this necessary need to um, prove to the world that I'm perfect. And I think that goes back to I to the idea of people pleasing that Lauren and I just talked about um, is kind of finding a way to to make up for feelings of shame by people pleasing or seeking external validation, or working really tirelessly to kind of cover up what we're afraid the world or others may see that we think we have that we think is wrong with us. Um, So starting to recognize that like, sadness and anger and 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 emotions that are not, mm, I don't know, portrayed as being good, knowing that those things exist within me, and that they're totally normal and part of being human has given me this time and space to to move away from feelings of shame 
um, and, and, and kind of saying, okay, it's okay. Like, I think it's an ultimate act of self-love to see and hold yourself in moments when you're, when you almost feel less than, and to be able to accept yourself. Um, and, and that's, uh, what recognizing and, um, sort of acknowledging what shame has done for myself helps. Oh my God. I'm getting so tongue twisted on words, but, um, and then there's guilt, right? Guilt is like, okay, I did something that was wrong. Um, and versus just acknowledging it and giving myself permission to say, okay, you made a mistake, but you're not a shameful person is the next part of 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 kind of the evolution of understanding the difference, right? So if I do something, I'm like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Oh my God, I feel so bad. Versus um, understanding like, okay, you made a mistake and um, being kind and gentle and loving to myself versus making a mistake and then going into this spiral of a spiral idea of, see, this proves that you're not worthy. This proves that you're sort of full of shame and all these things. And it's been such um, a journey for me to recognize the two. And I think from my experience in, in working with people and others, I think this is something that plays out in all of our lives, whether we're aware of it or not. Um, and some of us have, some people I think have a really strong sense of self uh, that develops earlier on in life. And so they're able to move through this a little quickly. Um, for some of us, it's, it's forming a sense of self may be a little bit more challenging. And so we kind of walk this tightrope between the two. So that's my uh, segue into guilt and shame. And hopefully it's starting to provoke some insights and thoughts into your own experiences. And Lauren, I'd love to hand it over to you and see what you think. I know that this is something you study a lot in your work and it'd be really cool to hear what your opinion is. A lot of what I'm sharing is based on just like my own um, experiences from life. I have, I'm not... I haven't studied this or researched this or have any sort of degree in psychology whatsoever, but it's something that I feel like I study within myself. And so it's it'd be really cool to hear your perspective. I think you're spot on. Honestly, I think that where you're coming from is exactly the space that we should all be approaching shame and guilt. And you know, thanks so much for propping me up there at the end and talking about the studies and the things that you know I've been able to kind of learn, you know, but I think the biggest thing that I've learned is something we've already talked about, which is just being curious. It's just, you know, coming to a space and recognizing that no human is ever going to know everything. And so I think it's impossible for us to try to approach, you know, such big emotions that are guilt and shame in this perspective of, well, let me learn more about them. Well, let me figure out how to, you know, um, navigate them and then I'll always be good. You know, it's more about being curious. It's about being in this space and recognizing, um, you know, and maybe I, I misspoke a little bit a second ago, but you know, navigating thing, navigating our emotions is definitely where we want to be at, but not navigating from this perspective of there is a map and that we can just follow this map and the map is going to lead us out of our emotions. It's more about recognizing that 
we're evolving every day and the way in which we approach ourselves may shift or adjust. And, you know, we've talked about that already so much, um, having tools to navigate that shift and, and that, um, that adjustment is always good. I think for me, I'm recognizing in my walk that the pause is the biggest space that helps me to navigate whatever it is that I'm feeling. You know, it allows me to be curious in this very um, healthy and um, nurturing way to myself. You know, I think oftentimes when we approach emotions like guilt and shame, we forget to nurture ourselves. We forget to be kind to ourselves and we just, you know, kind of um, lord over ourselves. We almost become a dictator of ourselves. You know, and I think about my children a lot in this sort of, you know, like navigation or helping them understand guilt and shame and helping them to create a secure attachment, you know, not only for our relationship, but within themselves, because attachment theory isn't just about the outward, it's about the inward. So what is our secure attachment within ourselves? And we can have an an avoidant and ambivalent or disorganized attachment to ourselves very much based on our uh, shame and guilt um, mechanisms of how we handle it, how we see it, how we, how we approach it, how we're curious about it. And, you know, curiosity, I think is a very childlike word. Um, you know, so we need to bring ourselves to this very childlike space of, of, you know, curiosity in its truest sense that we don't put a judgment to it. You know, there's that word judgment. I mean, when we, sense guilt or shame, I think we immediately judge ourselves. And maybe it's because of outward judgment that we've received from others. But, you know, our internal judgment is that bigger thing that we need to be conscious of that, you know, guilt and shame, I think, are are natural phenomenons of the human uh, condition. But it's understanding the secure attachment within ourselves. It's being curious about that and being curious from a childlike perspective of nurturing. And so I think about my kids and I think about this relationship that I have with them and about how I have to discipline them and I I need to correct them to help them understand how to integrate with the world, but also how to, you know, be kind to their brothers or kind to us or um, how to show respect and that sort of thing. And, and I want to be sure that I am not cultivating an environment of guilt and shame. You know, I think about a Bible verse that I love so much in Ephesians. People probably oftentimes refer to it as honor your mother and father. I think it's in Ephesians six. Um, but the verse that follows right after that is, you know, um, so don't, so honor your mother and father, but the verse right after that is, um, Oh, and I don't want to, I don't want to misquote, but, but essentially it's along the lines of don't kill your child's spirit. Don't, um, exacerbate them. And they go hand in hand. I mean, you can't have respect if you're exacerbating somebody's spirit, if you're, if you're overdoing it, if you're, so, so I guess it, it helps me to kind of have this lens of don't overdo any sort of interaction most especially when it comes to discipline because that's so much going to form how they internalize being around me but not not only around me but themselves and so discipline has to be firm sure but has to be gentle 
in nurturing. And that's why I said this word nurture. You know, so when it comes to feeling guilt, we have to still nurture ourselves and that, yeah, we messed up. Now, what are we going to do to make amends and then let it go? Because in the process of recognition and then and maybe nurturing is also giving yourself grace, allowing yourself to understand what needs to be done to make amends, do that and then let it go. I mean, that is the process of the most secure attachment we can have for ourselves and for others so that we aren't dominated by this reality of shame. And really shame is what happens when guilt goes unattended to, I think. I think I've rambled a little bit there. Hopefully there is some stream of thought that you guys were able to connect. I think, you know, the things that I'm really holding on to is recognizing that the process of addressing shame and guilt in the healthiest way that we can in my own journey. I mean, first it's, it's pausing first. It's just take a breath. What happened? What, what just happened? Get curious about it. Have grace for myself, nurture myself, be ready for the discipline, be firm, but don't overdo it address what needs to be addressed, make those amends, and then let it go. Hopefully that sort of process, that tool can help you navigate. I know that I said earlier when I started talking that we don't necessarily want to approach this like we can navigate it with a map, but maybe that's a little you know, loose framework, not so much a map, but a loose framework of how if you're struggling with guilt and shame, Really, it's guilt that goes unattended and manifests into shame. Then now you can start addressing it. Sylvia, I hope that kind of helps a little bit explain my thought process. And I've come a long way in this guilt and shame process. I used to very much not be curious. I used to, you know, ruminate over my guilt and it manifested into shame in a big way. But you know, learning to, to make amends and then just let it go. You know, I've done all I can do and just move on. Oh, it's like one of the most freeing spaces. And man, it really makes me think of another sort of really exciting thing that's been happening with, with my life and my faith walk about, you know, just trusting the uncertainty and the unknown. We can get into that in another conversation. I've already gone so long, but you know, what does this bring up for you? Does this help you at all? Um, I'd love to get your feedback uh, about kind of the process I just just uh, shared. Well, yes, thank you, Lauren, for sharing the information and your insights and experiences. And I really like how you brought up the mindfulness that you bring forward in raising your children and how you are uh, very intentional about being respectful and loving and caring and kind and gentle when disciplining. Because I think disciplining is a, is a form of love, right? It's a form of what can be perceived as tough love when we're kids um, and children and these little beings that are put into this world. And, you know, we're, we have to be taught almost everything we know from a very, very early age how to show respect, how to show gratitude, how to show appreciation, how to be kind, how to be understanding, all of these things. And um, it starts in the home and it starts with discipline. And 
I think going back to this idea of guilt and shame, um, guilt being that, oh, I, I did something out of alignment. I did something, you know, against my values, but I'm still okay and worthy and loving and valuable, but I did something wrong. That's the feeling of guilt versus the feeling of shame of I am wrong. I am bad. I am not good enough. I am unworthy. I am not valuable. I think when we're being disciplined as children, the types of attachment that we have with our parents and our caregivers or our immediate company and the way um, we have communication with them and the way they discipline us can sort of reinforce these things, right? So if you're being raised and taught how to set boundaries in life and how to respect people and are being taught it in a way where it's um, like, hey, honey, I know you said this thing, but, you know, maybe you should consider that's not nice to say. We don't say these things, so why don't you try this? It's a really nice way of pointing out our missteps and giving concrete information as to what to do and how to approach it in a more humane way. But I think many of us, um, and I can't say for me in particular, but I think, you know, people in general, or I've probably had experience in the experiences in the past where um, you put your best foot forward as a child, or you're not sure what you're doing, and you just do something out of um, naivety, or um, what's that word? Yeah, I guess like just out of naivety, or just not knowing. And if you do something and you're disciplined and you're told to not do it again, you're wrong. Um, no, but without really being explained why or having a loving presence to return to, um, I think that's where shame can start to manifest. So, you know, you may start to think, oh my God, I'm wrong. Like, you know, you see plenty of examples of this in movies, um, in, in real life stories of, you know, for instance, um, like I th- I can't think of what movie I just watched. Oh, I think it was this movie called Penguin Bloom on Netflix. It's it's amazing movie. It's based on a true story and um the premise being there's a mother and her you know her husband and three boys and they go on this um vacation and and long story short the boy leads the mom to this area to take a picture and when he does so she ends up falling off the balcony. And the, the little boy witnesses it and his mom gets becomes paralyzed. And um, they never talk about it for a while. And, and you see in the movie how the boy starts to think, oh, my God, this is my fault. I, I hurt my mom. And he internalizes it in that way um, until at one point in the movie, they kind of have this breakthrough moment where the boy's like, you hate me because I hurt you and you blame me. And she's like, no, honey, I don't. You're my mother. And there's just this big heart opening moment, but it took, um, him kind of speaking truth to it and her having a loving response for him to break that cycle. So I guess what I'm saying is I think it's, it's so cool to understand these attachment theories And when we're staying curious, I think staying curious to the experiences that we had growing up and how they shaped our, our lens in which how we view the world, how we view ourselves, um, our perspective, because when we're little, I don't think we're necessarily curious about how we feel about these big emotions. 
we're not thinking about guilt and shame, this and that. We're just like trying to figure everything out. And then we become adults that still carry all of this with us and it plays it out and throughout our lives until they're corrected. And it, um, I guess it's really interesting to see how, you know, I think you mentioned earlier, Lauren, how the guilt then manifested into shame. Um, I know I've suffered with that myself. And I think that's what brings me to, to be so open more and more as I grow up. Because when I was younger, I had all these feelings of, oh, my God, it's me, or there's something wrong, or um, I'm responsible, or, um, uh, or, or me not saying how I feel. And then when my needs aren't being met, I would internalize that. And for internalizing that for so long, I started to not necessarily feel guilty. I felt shameful. And now that I'm bringing that up more, I'm like, oh, okay, this is where all of this is coming from. Um, and that had has taken me time because I've had to be curious without being judgmental. So, gosh, it's like such a dance that we play in our heads and our minds and in our inner landscapes and kind of like reflecting back on things, connecting the pieces. Um, but like I think you said, it's taking those pauses and just recognizing these things for what they are and trying to not get carried away by them, but seeing how these um, feelings come up and and how they drive the choices that we make. Um, so I know for me, I can speak like... Uh, it's interesting because I think what I, what I would feel um, growing up, I'm such a huge emotional talker. I love to share how I feel and, and share. I love hearing how others feel. And I think growing up, I really withheld all my feelings because we weren't necessarily big feeling people. Like growing up, we didn't talk about emotions. And I think, again, this goes back to it wasn't the norm for prior generations. And so I started to not talk about my feelings. And then um, as I've grown up, when I talk about my feelings with people, if they feel heavy, if they feel strange, if they feel um, just disorganized, it's almost like I feel guilty just saying my feelings because growing up I felt ashamed for having them because I didn't talk about it. And so I've had to kind of work through this over time so I start to differentiate the two. And that's a pattern I'm breaking and starting to work through in my later adult life Um so, you know, I think if I would have known what I know now or heard what you're telling um, and sharing with us, Lauren, back then, it probably would have brought a lot of light to things and would have been awesome advice to have. Um, so now I guess moving forward, it's for everybody, right? I think we can do these um, self-reflective disciplines and get curious as to where a lot of our feelings of guilt and shame may originate from and start to differentiate the two. And know that you're not wrong, you're not invaluable, there's nothing uh, broken within you, but the feelings of guilt can start to kind of take a really strong foothold and and uh, feel that way. Um, and so, you know, reaching out to a therapist, having community groups, having self-love practices, having safe spaces helps you to, to also um, have a judgment-free zone that, that makes it easier for you to uh, explore these things. So that also kind of brings me to the idea that 
This is why kindness is so important and not blind kindness, not just kindness and letting, um, not accepting less than in, in regards to like rude behavior or people being disrespectful, but just being kind to one another because we never know what the other person is going through, um, in, in the, in the landscape of their own mind and, um, unkind behavior may further ingrain some of these feelings of guilt and shame that I think exists um, within so many. So Lauren, what are your thoughts on all of this? Sylvie, thanks so much for being so vulnerable, transparent, honest. It's really such a joy. I think when we can share so authentically about our own journeys, because I think that's when really other people can resonate and they can connect and then they can um, kind of look internally into themselves. Um, and I think for, for even each of us in our own journeys, when we can speak uh, transparently and authentically from our own experiences, um, maybe we're, we gain strength from hearing others do it. But the moment that we're able to is the moment that I think shame kind of loses its power. Anyways, I think guilt um, happens when, when, we, when we do something and it stays in the shadows. And we aren't able to actually rectify or um, reckon with what happened because we don't talk about it. We don't outwardly um, share what happened. And then I think that's why it turns into shame because really guilt is like, like we've already said, guilt is the manifestation of shame or shame is the manifestation of guilt rather. Um, and so when we let guilt fester by not just sharing, then shame ultimately follows and sort of wraps around us and kind of squeezes the life out of us. Um, and it really is such a dangerous thing that can happen because, you know, something that you said in, in the last uh, few words that you shared about, you, you use the word broken. And I think oftentimes when we are unable to come through a certain emotion, brokenness is what ultimately, I don't know if it's what we feel or what we tell ourselves, but it's probably both. And because of how we've learned what broken means, broken's not good, broken needs to be fixed, broken um, is just inadequate. Um we start to drive down into that. Um, and it's a really slippery slope. I recently listened to a sermon and he was talking about Paul and the story of um, Paul venturing to new places and he was on a ship that was shipwrecked and uh, they shipwrecked um, near Malta and they came onto Malta to meet these new people and these new people had no idea who they were, but they were at least welcoming and opened their arms to them. And and they go to start a fire and the heat of the fire drove out a viper and it latched to Paul's hand. And any any other situation, a viper, pretty much immediately the venom kills the person and they're gone. And the people 
immediately assumed that Paul was broken, that he was a murderer, that he was evil. And so the fate that was to befall him was death. And that makes sense. That's why that viper latched onto his hand. But what happened was that Paul shook his hand and the viper came off of his hand. And then the people all of a sudden turn around and go, oh, well, he must be a god. And really the first thing that stands out is, you know, how fickle are people that one instance they think you're a murderer and you deserve this horrific fate. The next moment, I mean, literally within a moment's time, now he's a god and he deserves reverence. You know, society is so fickle. Opinion is so fickle. And we have to just have this really strong opinion about ourselves and knowing that we aren't broken, that we don't need fixing, that we can shake the viper off whatever that viper is in our lives, whatever has latched onto our hands and is trying to force venom into our veins because whatever we don't allow into our veins, what we don't allow into the circulation of our body and thus minds, we're able to move forward in life. We're able to shake the guilt off and not allow shame to course through us. And we're stronger for it. And we're more determined and driven and joyful and fulfilled because we don't allow the outside to permeate what's inside. And so kind of going back to what I originally said is that the moment that we can stay truly authentic and transparent in who exactly we are all in all things, we're able to really kind of gain that superpower to Be self-validated internally, not externally. And things like guilt and shame stay in their place. Shame has no place and guilt is able to, you know, be the mechanism that we need it to be in our lives. Oh, we did something wrong. I feel guilty. Okay, let me make amends and let's move past that. Hopefully, you know, that kind of brings it all together. And I love that story. Hopefully you guys, uh, you can go look it up. It's in... um, Acts uh, chapter 27, I believe, in the Bible. It's really a great text. Um, But Sylvie, any parting words for you or anything that brings up for you and what I just said? Thank you so much, Lauren. Truly, that was exactly what I needed to hear right now. And I'm hoping that those out there listening felt the same way. I uh, got a little teary-eyed there because it's so true. Like when we just speak truth to it, um, and we're able to share our stories and hold space and listen to others share theirs. I think that common thread of being human um, reveals itself and, and we can f- understand that a lot of these feelings that we have of guilt um, are actually good things, but the feelings that we have of shame are destructive and toxic and take away from who we are and uh and and it's 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 just not worth it right so you can find those connections out there in which um you can start to say okay this this is a normal feeling i'm okay like everything's okay and um by sharing these things and remaining authentic and true um over time, I like to believe that it becomes less powerful within your body and within your mind and your 
other sense your 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 more true sense of self is able to stand stronger um and, and shine in the world so I really need to hear those words, Lauren. So thank you so much. I'm really glad we chose this topic of conversation this week. Um, Sometimes it feels like when we start talking, life events pop up around me that challenge me to practice what I preach. And this week has been very hard in that sense on a personal level. And so this conversation has been super helpful and a good reminder that um, don't allow shame to like the stories of shame that we tell ourselves they can run in the background of our minds and um when we're able to outwardly recognize it and kind of dispel it we can uh, choose differently and, and and heal so yeah great story too um really really loved listening to that and uh yeah thank you for for everything um one uh, one one thing i it got me thinking of for for um everyone out there is there is this book that kind of talks about this these topics that Lauren and I have talked about, and it's called There is Nothing to Fix by suzanne jones and it's um it goes over the the emotions of guilt and shame and how they layer themselves into our bodies and practices that we can do to help recognize, identify, and cope and move through them. Much of the practices that we've talked about, yoga, mindfulness, meditation, breathing, journaling, um, but it's a really nice concrete step-by-step process that you can practice at home or in community um, and kind of these provides these thought-provoking questions that gets us to, to kind of look behind the scenes of where guilt and shame may manifest in our bodies. And um, it, it's helpful. And it's also helpful, Lauren, to, to know that if you are not necessarily dealing with these things on a daily basis, acknowledging that others may be, and knowing that your kindness and your uh, authenticity helps to sh- helps to be a mirror for those who are trying to get there as well. And so leading by example, being open, sharing, being understanding, I think, you know, we can start to minimize this er- erosive effect of guilt and shame and-, and guilt being a good thing in the sense where it keeps us um, honest and humble and, um, goodwilled but when gone on check it can start to uh, solidify into shame which then becomes a, a really disruptive emotion for so many and the offspring of that is uh, people not feeling like they can be themselves and that is such a shame right because we're each a gift and at the heart of the matter, we're all innately loving, um, but our experiences and the harshness that we may face in the world can kind of cover that up as we go into our protective shells. So sharing your stories, allowing others to share, being understanding, knowing that all of these things um, are normal, um, I think is really helpful. So I'll definitely be playing your words back, Lauren. It was the medicine that I needed in this moment. So thank you. And um, thanks for all out there listening. And 
Yeah. And I just also want to add me being able to share this with you out loud and put it out into the world is gives me the courage each and every single time to stand more authentically when in my relationships. Um, so it's a process. It's, it's, it's a process. So until next time, I will be signing off now. Thank you, Lauren. And thank you to all of our listeners out there. What a great way to wrap this one up. Yes, it is a process. It is something that we are all consistently and continually tackling every day, every moment. But I think that Sylvie, you have been just a phenomenal example to being transparent, to being open, to being vulnerable, uh, to living and standing in your truth, sharing those things out loud. I hope that uh, we've both been an example to everybody who is out there listening on just how it is that we can move through all of these big things that are happening in our lives. And I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to share. Love to hear or would love to hear any feedback you guys have, uh, any input, please just um, put it in the comments. I think there is a comment section. If not, you can always touch base with us on my website at www.liferichmama.com. Dot com. That's L-I-F-E-R-I-C-H-M-A-M-A.com. I've got a contact section and uh, Sylvie and I can definitely get back to you. But we're so excited to continue with all of these really wonderful conversations, not only for us, but for you guys. Um, and yeah, until next time, this is Lauren and Sylvie with Embodied Experience.